0: And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments,
1: not minutes. Like the moment your work stress disappears as you kayak through the canyons. Or the moment you discover the life-changing effects of prickly pear chocolate. But nothing beats the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the very first time. Visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com.
0: Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. and i'm here to support you in doing that just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program hey what's up unbroken nation hope that you're doing well wherever you are in the world today i'm very excited to be back with you with another episode with my friend ben curtis who helps men transform shame ben my friend it's an honor thank you for being here how are you today Hey, Michael, it's an honor to be here. I am
1: really grateful today. I, I uh, Yeah, I'm feeling really grateful to be alive. Yeah. Had a lot of beautiful conversations already, and I'm really grateful to be in this space with you.
0: It's, it's an honor to have you here, my friend. For those who do not know you, tell us a little bit about your backstory and how you got to where you are today
1: uh right well um i am a personal freedom coach and i focus on men uh, i help men release shame and self-sabotage and transform it into purpose power freedom and embodiment uh, i'm also an award-winning actor and musician so you may know me as the dude you're getting adele guy from 20 years ago i was most famous brought in the world from then um Born and raised a preacher's kid from Chattanooga, Tennessee, and watching my dad uh, on the pulpit, really reaching people. My dad was a sensitive dude, and thank God he passed some of that on to me and encouraged me to honor my feelings and my dreams. And I chased them all the way to New York, and I just continued to break boundaries of what people told me was not possible or where I shouldn't go and I just followed my heart and within I got into the school my dreams at New York University Uh, I got an acting scholarship and within two years into school I got this huge acting campaign for Dell computers and it I immediately became world famous um it was the most exciting moment of my life and terrifying, but I was still in school full-time. I was on TV every day. I was getting interviews every day. I was making more money than I've ever made before. And I moved out of the dorms. I was like getting in the big life. I moved in the financial Mm -hmm. district. I went to this course at uh, Landmark Education. I don't know if people have heard of Landmark before, but it it was a personal growth and development organization. And um just about dealing with your crap in your life and I had this huge amazing awakening of my purpose and that was in the World Trade Center and two weeks later and I had a direct view of it from my bedroom two weeks later was 9-11 and I saw everything I was there uh my roommate almost died I almost died um, I was still famous, still in school full time. Um, and the only thing that saved my life literally was being the Dell guy. I was on a bus trying to escape, uh, what I thought was a world war three and the driver, like he saw me covered in soot and crying. And he was like, are you the Dell guy? <laughs> and, uh, this, because of that, this driver dropped me off at this building where, six hours later my best friend turned up I thought he was dead and I just had so many run-ins from that moment on um I didn't know how to take care of myself I had undiagnosed post-traumatic stress disorder I was still famous so I used the money to um survive and mostly that started looking like drugs and alcohol and really numbed out and um I basically was just trying to make everything stop as my career was getting bigger. And I just didn't have the help I needed. And uh, sort of by the grace of God, I got arrested. And that's what I became famous for, was getting arrested. Uh, Dude, you're getting a cell, was the tagline. And um, uh, on CNN headline news. And uh, it was, again, a beautiful lesson. I, I met my fate in that weekend behind bars. I... I, I saw where I could go um, and I saw I had an opportunity to ask for help and I just started asking for help and I got a therapist. Um, I got back in touch with my father. He became my best friend. I really um, I started taking care of myself. I let go of my acting career for a while. I mean, I couldn't even get hired if I wanted to. I started playing music again, which is a, a thing I love. And um, all of that, like I started teaching yoga. Um, I became a really intense alcoholic that didn't get better for years. I got arrested three more times and, um, it just wasn't cool anymore. It was really not a good look. It was, uh, it was leaving me completely alone, destitute in debt, basically homeless, uh, unlovable. Um, and I didn't know how to love myself. So I kept asking for help and I put down drugs and alcohol I haven't had a drink in nine and a half years. And um, I, again, I sought out therapy, coaches, um, and men came into my life. And I started realizing I had issues with men. I didn't feel safe around other men, but I knew how to be vulnerable. And um, I was always beat down for being sensitive. And just over time, coaches and therapist and, uh, recovery groups and, you know, daily practice, I learned that my sensitivity, my vulnerability, the thing I was most terrified was one of my greatest powers and something that I could actually help other people with. And when I just had people keep reminding me to go help others, go help others, um, get out of my head and in action and, and also take time for my heart and take time to feel those feelings. And all of this culminated into I, my acting career took off. Uh, I started a band. I met my wife. She's the lead singer of the band. We're called Dirty May. Uh, we travel, tour the world, and I coach um, men. Every day, I help men learn how to release all this suffering. And the biggest thing I got out of this was that I was carrying 9-11 around as a badge. I was carrying their rests around as a badge, a badge of like honor of the victimhood and suffering. And when I finally saw that that was a choice that I could release that suffering and actually choose thriving, it was way more uncomfortable actually, Uh, but less painful. And my life just started, my life just started working and things got better. And, um, And people started asking me to work with them. And then I realized I love coaching. I love going there. My personal training and yoga clients were getting way too much free therapy for me. So uh, I just and and some of these people weren't going there with me. They weren't, um, you know, I would I would hear people ask for help. And then when I'd show up that I would especially men find like they still didn't feel safe asking for it. And so I've made it a mission to create safe spaces for sensitive people, for creatives and for men, especially. I do that just by doing what I love and helping others do the same and by having conversations. And that all has brought me to just it's turned into coaching mostly and speaking and and getting to connect with awesome humans like you.
0: We'll be right back to today's show. But first, I need to ask you a question. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling like you don't have the support to go to the next level in your healing journey? Are you feeling like you wish you had a little bit more support from not only myself, but the Unbroken Nation? Well, my friend, I want to invite you to come and join our live weekly coaching sessions in Think Unbroken. All you have to do is go to keys, K-E-Y-S, keys.thinkunbroken.com to sign up and join us today with 100% money back, no questions asked, guaranteed and no contract or commitment every week, For the next year, you can come and be a part of our live coaching sessions each Monday as we dive deep into not only answering your questions, but questions from the Unbroken Nation and help you take all of the information that you learn in the podcast, in the courses, and other areas of this journey, bring them into your life, and use it in a way that is practical, life-changing, and transformative. So, my friend, join us at keys.thinkunbroken.com, and we will see you this Monday. Yeah, that's, that's incredible, man. That's, that's quite the journey. There's so many different places that we could go, but where I want to really start is in this scope of vulnerability. You know, I, I look Mm. at you and I are relatively close in age and we've, we've shared some very interesting experiences together and separately and throughout the course of, you know, the parallels of what it takes to get to where you are. Yeah. And, and the thing that I always come to is, is thinking about the power of vulnerability and why that matters so much because you have so many people in the world, especially when geared towards men and we're told, be strong, don't be a pussy, man up, don't be a bitch, don't cry, don't complain. You hear all of this and it's like, it's so ingrained and embodied into effectively the DNA of manhood today. And yet, and, and I don't even want necessarily to necessarily say the word toxic, but it's just the way that it is perceived that manhood should be, I think is insanely detrimental. And, and I found myself much like you, here I am at, at 30 years old. And I, I just come out of the last couple of years of like massive struggle working through all these different demons. And I said to myself, I don't know how to be in connection with men. And I forced myself to go into men's group coaching and it changed my life forever. Like, it's really incredible what happened through that. I'm curious, Ben, what do, we, what do we do for men who are listening to this? And they're like, I don't know where to start.
1: It's a great question. I just asked that of someone earlier today. Um, well, someone who leads men's group and it, groups and has been part of men's groups, uh, you know, I would say, first of all, actually, my intuition is telling me you're already in the right place you're already in the right place if you're here and you're listening uh start to practice start to practice awareness start to practice cultivating um those spaces where you don't feel safe and then start talking about it with other men in your life start asking for help and if you don't feel comfortable doing that google men's groups google uh you know any any type of there's so many men's groups and men's teams out there and i think that's a great place to start um you know, looking for a therapist, anyone where you feel safe whether it's someone you know or you don't know. I find being around other men uh it, it's it helps me hold accountable for the spaces I feel most uncomfortable and that's where I know I need to lean in. I even avoid some of my closest male friends sometimes because I know how big of a leader they see me as and it's confronting. And so we practice spending time together like holding each other accountable for our greatness. And Practice holding space for the days when we're not okay, and I think that's really important. Is just practicing being able to say when you're not okay or when you need help. So it could be as simple as just practice asking for help.
0: The word that comes to mind and you're saying that, and, and you're welcome to go deep into this, please. Um, the the word that comes to mind is discomfort, mm-hmm. right? And and so many people, and men or women are like, I think the idea of vulnerabilities freaking incredibly uncomfortable it's one of those things that we do face shame we do face guilt we do face judgment and ridicule but i've come to find most often from myself and less so from the world and 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 how do you step into that discomfort ben to be able to get because i think that there's a and and maybe i'm wrong here but i believe that there's like this chasm between I need to ask for help and I'm asking for help. And in between those two moments is a whole lot of mind fucking. And so I'm really curious about how one actually steps into that. Practice. That's the word that comes to mind. Um,
1: practice. And for me, I mean, it's different for everybody, but you can ask for help anytime you want. You can say "No, you can say "Stop," you can say "Yes," you can say "Help," you can say, "Please." You can reach out anytime you want. It's really just for me, it was like, how much pain did I want to be in i it turns out i was I was pretty good at being in a lot of pain and suffering um but it became a choice, and i it's just when it's when it when I couldn't handle it anymore or when I just felt like I couldn't take it anymore, that was a great place. But you don't have to wait till you get to that place. You know, that's what hopefully I'm here to help some people know. You don't have to like be uh, behind bars uh, or unemployed, unemployable or destitute in order to ask for help. So it's just a practice and then see what happens. You know, it's like you're probably not going to die if you ask for help. Most likely in the Western society, if you're listening to this and you ask for help, you're probably going to live to the next moment. So you might as well ask because it's basically like, well, what, what's what's costing you more being where you are now and not asking for help? Because if you did, the worst thing that can happen is someone says no. Right. And you're just right where you are right now. So there's an opportunity kind of check ourselves and see oh yeah how free do I want to be am I actually willing to be free you know that's a good place to look like do I actually want help Um, because we can't you know no one can help you unless you're willing to help yourself but even if you have the willingness to be willing that's a great place to start and and I would pray for the willingness that's what I used to do (laughs) Like I don't have it, I pray for it. You know, I ask my friends for it. You know, can I borrow some of your courage, man? I don't know how you do that, and they'd be like, "Yeah, sure," and then just grab my hand and take me. You know, it was mostly the resistance that was, uh, that 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 was costing me the most energy and that was taking the most effort. And and once I stopped resisting so much, it it turned out there was actually a lot of support available. So just being starting to look for it
0: and being willing to receive it. Yeah. I love what you said about being willing to receive it because that's so much of it. You know, it's, it's fascinating to me sometimes when I'm working with someone, I'm like, here is the tool. This is the thing that you asked for. Now you must use it. You have to execute with it because if you don't, it doesn't matter. Like wishing is totally different than acting. Like those are two very, very different things. And, and ultimately I do believe that just massive action is the only way to truly create the life that you want to have. And, and there is a tremendous amount of discomfort in it, but it's, it's in the embracing that discomfort in which you discover what you're actually capable of, because I've come to find that where I'm at in my life, it's 3% of what I can do. And it's like the measurement of, okay, cool. I literally just this morning, I reached out to someone I know. I said, Hey man, will you coach me? I, I see where I need you in my life, mm-hmm. right? I'm in the scope of changing coaches right now because, you know, I think eventually we kind of max out with the people we're with. And that's great because that means they've done their job. Yeah, and I'm exactly. that's, hey, man, you coachman, I need your help here in this area of my life to go to the next level. You know, one of the things I, I want to go back to here t- and talk about because I think it's important is when people hit rock bottom, and, and I'll use myself as an example. When I hit my rock bottom and I felt like, man, I cannot possibly fuck up any worse. I actually fucked up a little bit more. And I found out, I found out. The laughter recognition <laughs> there. Yeah. <laughs> right. I found <laughs> out some really dark truth about myself. And, and Ben, I'm wondering, in, especially in consideration of, of where you were in your life, how did you start to pick yourself up through that? Because there, there were, you know, there's a domino effect there that begins to happen. I experienced it too, man. It wasn't just one thing. It was about 97 things. And, and it wasn't until I got really deep, that things started to change. And what I'm curious about, cause I know there are people listening right now and they're like, yeah, we know it's the Dell guy and he did all this shit, blah, 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 whatever. And, and to have this idea that I believe people believe and I, be- I, only believe this cause this was my experience that this is how I'm going to be remembered was, was crushing. And what I'm curious about is what was the pathway from that rock bottom to today? Like, what did that actually look like?
1: That's a great question. Um, I'm trying to think like which bottom was actually the rock bottom. <laughs> there was a lot of them. Um, The one that hits me the most is I was in school, Dell stuff was going on, pretty sure I had news interviews or radio interviews booked that morning before class, um, and I developed a pretty steady cocaine habit that I don't really talk about. I, I'm starting to more now because I just realize I have nothing to hide and I hope someone else hears us you know I would even do it in class sometimes and it was just I didn't want to and I was and I remember uh, I'd been up all night and I knew the only way I was going to get through the next few hours was to get more or I was just going to crash and burn and and uh the paralyzing anxiety was setting in and I called the dealer and they were late And I was waiting for them, and the sun started to rise. And I looked out my window over uh, the steeple of um, the, the Episcopal Trinity Church right there on Rector and Broadway. That was where I lived. And I looked over into Ground Zero, and then the bell rang. And I just saw the steeple, and... I'm not super religious, but I grew up, my father's a minister and he's my best friend and and really taught me. He believed in a loving God and I just felt like God was really reaching into me at that moment and saying, wake the F up. And... Um, yeah, I don't talk about that often. Um, it's still a raw space but uh I'm feeling just moved that I don't have to be there anymore um in that moment, I just i I knew that was it. I called my dad, I said I wasn't doing well, I'm not okay, and um, I need help, and uh, my dad was like the only guy I could talk to, and um amazingly enough. So my father came up, flew up from Atlanta and, um, we'd been through a lot together and, uh, he helped me go through my mail. I hadn't opened my mail in three months. It was too scary. It was too much responsibility was piling on and I just avoided everything. I just couldn't handle the world. And he said, you know, I'm going to take you to a therapist. My dad is an Episcopal priest and there was an Episcopal church behind us. And he like took me to an Episcopal church where there's this therapist that I could talk to. Um, the therapist said, it sounds like, you know, you're dealing with this, this and this, and you're not able to function. And I which I couldn't. And so I got on, um, he put me on some medication, suggested it. It wasn't great, but it saved my life. It kept me from killing myself. And, uh, it helped me bring up my bottom line enough to be able to really start to get help. And, uh, and, uh, you know, I kept, I mean, that even wasn't it. I mean, I got arrested more times over 10 more years and I think it was just, I ruined enough relationships. Oh, and the other rock bottom is when I blacked out like bartending at a bar in New York. Um, when I thought I was starting to do well again and, um, I got fired from the job where you're allowed to drink for drinking. um, And then I was a dog walker and then I started losing that job. I couldn't keep that together. And I was getting, I got sober and I asked someone like how to like a bartender, like how do I like quit smoking? No, how do I quit drinking but keep smoking weed like you do that? <laughs> And she's like, "Well, I go to AA," and I was like, "Oh, I'm not going to do that." And then, like, I my ex girlfriend introduced me to Marijuana Anonymous. I, I didn't know that like having a problem with cannabis could be a thing, and that was amazing. And then there they were like suggesting refraining from drinking, which I thought was ridiculous. But I just like kept reaching for alcohol. And I called that bartender friend, and she took me to a meeting, and it was like getting like putting the pulling the toxins out of myself that I was killing myself with so that I could actually start to deal with what's really going on, you know, and like other people being there for me and, you know, 12 step groups were amazing because they're free and just like the society anywhere where anyone could help other people. But I said, why can't we do this outside of here, you know, and they helped me so much and I actually worked with a therapist and I got off drugs and alcohol and I got, uh, I got off medication and I did like all the PTSD work and all those things. So it was like, you know, really putting those things into place uh, is, and, and, and all of that adding up and getting real with myself, you know, um, I think I, it was, I mean, it's, it's, it's cliche almost, and I love it for that reason because it resonates for so many of us but it really is my light not my darkness that most frightens me even to this day yeah uh it still terrifies me sometimes and so it was like starting to like we said practice being uncomfortable like other people seeing my greatness and uh, and actually like yeah i'm white and i grew up with some privilege but like i did not believe in myself i had a father that believed in myself and i did up to a point but like I could not stop destroying my own life. I could, and then I was attracted to other people who did the same thing. So it was just like, I and I got one of those people pregnant, and like by the grace of God, we lost the child, and like broke up and got healthy, and like now we're both happily married, um, and better than ever, and and it's part. It was just like letting looking at like the lessons and actually starting to say, okay, enough, enough. I'm ready to learn, you know, and just practicing surrendering and asking for help over and over. That was really the dance I think that's made the biggest difference.
0: To the free event, watch it live with us this December. It'll be myself speaking along with amazing human beings like Anthony Trucks, Jamie Bronstein, Leslie Logan, and a special interview that I'm doing with Dr. Gabor Mate that has never before been released. So come and join us, myunbrokenlife.com. All you have to do is put in your email, we'll send you over the registration. You'll be able to come and join us, watch live. And then if you want access to the recordings or more information, there for you to keep them forever. But in the meantime, go sign up. Block it off on your calendar. This is going to be a transformational experience that you do not want to miss. Head over to myunbrokenlife.com to register for free. Until next time, be unbroken. Yeah, it, same. You know, I, I look at, it's it's weird, the synchronicities here. When I was 23, I, I've only talked about this one time ever on the show. Um, when I was 23, my my girlfriend at the time had a miscarriage. Yeah. And I remember just being like, I feel like the universe is telling me something. And I know that's a really like fucking dark way to look at that. But like, honestly, it it seemed like the most true. And now she's happily married and has kids and her life is very different. My life is very different. Right. Because like you talked about these toxic people, it's not that like she was a terrible person, but her activities, our act hours were terrible. It was the drugs. It was the alcohol. It was the late nights. It was the parties. It was the, destroying each other because we thought that's what people did we thought that's relationships that's connection that's love and you and you look at this it's what you said man like i so resonate with this idea of being so terrified of the light knowing because it's like the control that we have over the darkness is we let it seep in and we just pretend it's not there and we placate it and then you're suddenly like Oh yeah, I'm passed out drunk, puke all over me on the bathroom floor again. Must've been a great night. I can't wait to tell people about it. Yeah. And you're down on this, you're down in this moment. You're looking at your life and you're thinking, wait a second, what if, what if I could have this other thing? And, and that's become such a driver in my life of having the willingness going back to this word again, in this conversation to say, no, I, I can have this. I can have the life I want to have. I can have yeah. the love the relationship the the body, the spirit, the soul, the money, the companionship, the friendships the everything, and it's the willingness to step into the light so what, let's go in that a little bit deeper Ben mm. oh, can I say something
1: about that that just came up please for me yeah, um you know, I remember when I didn't know how to play rock and roll again without being full of drugs and alcohol, and actually for me, it wasn't like. Pr- putting the darkness away it was like i would swim in the darkness that was like my friend that was like my creative muse and be powered by that darkness but it was so encompassing and would bring everyone else down and it was actually like me i i booked a show i remember when i booked my it hit me while you're talking when i booked my first i said yes to a hosting and stand up comedy job and i was and was sober and it was in a bar and i had never done stand up I hadn't done it in years. I definitely hadn't done it sober, but just it was starting to say yes to things that would, like, I know I loved, but would terrify me. And then realizing I wasn't going to die and I actually enjoyed it and loved it and was good at it and maybe even perform. Like after I played music sober, my band was like, Whoa, you're so much better, you know? So you started getting affirmation. My family was like, Hey, it's good, you know, it's like nice to have our son back again. Mm-hmm. It was those kind of moments that, you know, had me keep saying yes. And leaning into the discomfort.
0: Yeah, there's something really beautiful. It's, it's again going back to this idea about the domino. As much as you can domino your life into disaster, you can domino it into light. And, and as I think about yeah. that, for, for the people who you so growing up, I'll, I'll share some context I don't share often. Growing up, I wanted to be a rock star more than anything. I wanted to be Foo Fighters or Jay-Z. It was oh, one of yeah. the... Oh, yeah. Me too, man. Ones. Same guys. Let's and, go. And, and, and I've come to find that my, quote unquote, being a rock star is this. It's the podcast. It's the stage. It's writing. It's stepping into my light, but in a different way. And I found, I found the courage to be able to do it by recognizing and reconciling the fact that Growing up, I was told to be invisible and more. So I was told like, you're not good enough. You're not strong enough. You're not capable enough. And so mm. now part of it is this narrative of challenging that darkness. And even dare I say, using it as fuel is oh, yeah. so that what I'm curious about then is have you found a space in which you're able to take some of that darkness and use it in a positive way? 100%.
1: That's such a great question. Um, yes, it is like, you know, I talked about dancing with it and it was like it, I'd never put it away, by the way. It did not go away. I befriended it. I got familiar with it. I talked about it. I shared it openly like I I allowed it to no longer haunt me. So it was like um, the more I talk, I mean, the beautiful thing of being like, I mean, the, the terrible, the tragic and beautiful thing of being like having fame, the moment of, of. That arrest was that I had to, I was still getting interviewed. So I was being, I was talking about my trauma. I was talking about 9 11. I was talking about what I was going through, but I didn't get to interviews after, you know, I wasn't hireable anymore. Um so I think um I uh I was, shoot, I just lost my train of thought for a second. There's something I wanted to say. Um, how I use the darkness. I still play music and it is like if you watch me on stage, if you look up some Dirty May videos on YouTube of my wife and I, like people are like, whoa, dude, <laughs> like I channel, I allow it to come out in really healthy places. Like when I work out, when I run, um, when I'm, uh, that's what I love about acting. Um, I've played some really dark, tragic, tortured people, but be- I can actually use the darkness in a healthy way. There's actors who will go there and swim in that suffering, but I've actually already you know, we've we've suffered enough. It's actually just allowing to familiarize ourselves and and um honestly, we've had a lot of grief in, in my life lately. So I lost um we lost our grandmother as my wife's grandmother, but I had re re uh adopted her as mine. Um she and I adopted each other a few years ago. She lived to be 101, but she passed basically a month after my father passed, and he was my best friend and sure that he was gonna live another 10 years. And then um we uh found out we were we tried to have a child, we were immediately successful, and we found out like the year anniversary of my father's passing, and then um really ready, and then we lost a child. And so it's just been like and other things, and then I So that all of this, I'm realizing the older I get, the more we're going to, I'm going to lose people. And uh, that grief and loss and sadness and darkness, they're just as beautiful as life and birth and, and light. And so I've actually learned to allow space in my day for grief and light. Yesterday, I spent an hour meditating and crying, and then I said yes to a 20 minute bike ride with my wife because the sun came out for five minutes. You know, so that's kind of how I dance in it today is, you know, I'll, I, we each have our own spaces. I worked really hard to create a safe space for myself where, so if I need to yell or like bang on a pillow or scream in the car safely, or like I do yard work, um, um, but I talk about it and, and I use it in creativity. And I think when you, even like I love like Basquiat's one of my favorite art artists because he had like you can see some of his mental illness and his work. And it's so beautiful to me. The the like tragedy and the love and the possibility he saw inside of how uniquely I mean, I don't even want to call it mental illness. I want to call it mental uniqueness. Because we're stigmatized mental illness. I mean, I have some, I feel like a lot of us do post-pandemic. But it's actually, there's an opportunity to create with it. And to make beauty out of it. And it can be as easy as talking about it. Which is the thing we're most terrified and why these things haunt us. But we all live with it. One in four women have miscarriages. It happens all the time. Women are creating and losing life and there are partners beside them going through with it and we don't talk about it and men are killing themselves and we don't talk about it so you know i just think being able to be open and have these spaces and seek out more safe spaces is just the medicine
0: yeah i i agree and and i'm so happy that you're here my friend um and having this conversation and the vulnerability and the honesty and and especially in in such a public forum and i i'm such a proponent of let's have the conversation yes it's hard yes it's difficult but it's necessary and you know stepping into the discomfort of that in real time is how we change the world so i've got a massive amount of appreciation for you before i ask you my last question ben can you tell everyone where they can find you
1: yes ben curtis official (laughs) Uh that's my Instagram, Facebook, um bencurtis.co is my website. But if you go to my Instagram it has a link to everything I do to to book coaching calls, to my men's group, the Lion's Den, to my music and art and uh to interviews like this awesome one here today.
0: And of course we'll put all the links in the show notes for the audience. Yeah. Oh, can I say
1: to- one thing real quick? Okay. And I have a new podcast that I have not released yet. It's called Dude, You're Getting Well. And Michael is one of my featured guests. So please be on the lookout for it because it's going to come out in the next week or two and you'll start seeing the notices. But I'm really excited because we got some good stories with Michael too on the other side. So I just wanted to share that too because it's been such a gift to be in your circle and on the other side, you're your great inspiration.
0: Um, thank you, my friend. That means so much to me. It really does. And and same, trust me. We we've been following each other for years for those who don't know. Um, so that said, my friend, my last question for you. What does it mean to you to be unbroken?
1: Honest, vulnerable, raw, real, and unleashed.
0: in love. Br- hmm. Brilliantly said, my friend. Goosebumps. Literally. Um, amazing. Thank you so much for being here. Unbroken Nation, thank you for listening. Please like, subscribe, comment, share, tell a friend. And until next time, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. Hey, Unbroken Nation, we'll be right back to the show. But I wanted to let you know that you can grab a copy of my first book, Think Unbroken, Understanding and Overcoming Childhood Trauma,